Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 31. This is the end of the story of King Saul. We have the book of 1 Samuel closing out with this chapter. And as we said, as we began this venture of studying the life of David, we said that the rise of David coincided with the fall of Saul. And it's nowhere more evident than in this chapter. Just a few verses before in chapter 30, we have David defeating the Amalekites in victory. David is on the rise and Saul is on the decline. God had rejected Saul and we had this strange situation going on for a few chapters of 1 Samuel where God had anointed a new king while the first king was still on the throne of Israel. And it provided all kinds of intrigue and issues as Saul's jealous rage continued against David. Now, when we think about King Saul, here's a guy that started so well. He started as a mighty man. Remember, he helped the people of Jabesh Gilead, and he was their hero in so many ways. So here's a guy that started with promise, who had God's spirit, who people said, Maybe he's one of the prophets. And Samuel had so much hope in him. And then to end the way he ends in this chapter is tragic. So let's read the tragic end of David. And what makes it worse is the death of Jonathan also. Let's read this entire chapter. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel. And the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Geboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab. And Malachshua, the sons of Saul, the battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. When his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his own sword and died within him. Thus Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men, on the same day together. And when the men of Israel, who were on the other side of the valley, and those beyond the Jordan, saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the people. They put his armor in the temple of Asherah, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. So it's a tragic story when we think about when you go all the way back to the anointing of King Saul and all the way back to the promise of Saul. And what you see in the story of Saul is self-destruction. Think of it this way. Here's Saul who was king, who people did his bidding. Also realize his first armor bearer was David back in chapter 16. And now this new armor bearer will not even do the request of the king. 
If you think about it, here he is, and he's about to be killed by his enemies. And the last thing an ancient warrior would want, especially a king, is to fall into the hands of his enemy. So he's asking his armor bearer to do a thing to help him. In some sense, maybe an act of nobility, so he wouldn't have to take his own life. And his armor bearer would not do what Saul asked. So we see the, the low point of Saul at this point, that this final request is ignored by the king. And he has to fall up on his own sword. So his self-destruction is complete at this point. It started way back with his jealousy of David and his hatred for David, his disregard for God's command. And it ends tragically here in this battle. We also think about the death of Jonathan. And as we talked about last week and the week before, Jonathan being such a noble person, Jonathan is a fellow who could have put a coup together with David and taken out his father. He could have been the prime minister, the second command with David. He could have been the viceroy of Israel and lived a good life. But Jonathan, wanting to be loyal to his father, but also loyal to his covenant with David, ends up dying because of his loyalty. I think in Jonathan we see someone that really amazes me, a person that could be that devoted to a father who was so evil. Jonathan had wonderful traits. Jonathan really would have been a much better king than his father ever wanted to be. But here we have Saul, and we see the people of Jebesh-Gilead, people that felt a sense of thankfulness to Saul and what he had done for them. Saul had rescued them before. If you go all the way back to 1 Samuel 11, they were grateful to Saul for what he had done. And now they come to help King Saul. But now we see Saul being cursed, as Deuteronomy 28, 26 says, as he's hung out to be devoured by birds of prey and the animals of the field. He's being disgraced. We see the Philistines take his armament and they parade it around to their people. And this is the gospel of the death of God's anointed. The good news according to the Philistines. And to ancient people, when you look at ancient warfare, this was a victory of the gods of Philistia over the God of Israel. You see, Saul was God's anointed. Saul was the representative of the God of Israel. And so by them killing Saul and parading his body and parading his battle implements, they're saying, our gods are better than your gods. And so now with the, the rise of David, things are going to change. You could think of it in, in this way. There's this sacrifice taking place where Saul, the evil king, the despot king, with his death, there will be a scourge removed from the land. Because of his murderous reign, things are about to turn for Israel because a true and godly king is about to come to power. And Israel's fortunes are about to change. So this victory of the Philistines will be short-lived because King David is coming to power. They're having this moment of glory over God's people and over God's anointed, but that's not going to last. You're going to see in the reign of David, when we turn to the next chapter, David is going to unite power. David is going to establish a new capital city, Jerusalem. We're going to see a glorious reign that's going to be bracketed with worship of God. You're going to see a reform of worship in Israel like none other, where the music is going to flourish and the temple worship, or more like more specifically, the tabernacle worship is going to flourish under King David. So we see a tragic time here in this story, but we're looking ahead to brighter days. We see a tragic end to this awful reign of King Saul, 
But like with anything in life, bad things and hard times open us to hope, hope that's on the horizon, hope that's coming. And so in a sense, you've got a death and a resurrection happening in Israel, the death of the tyrannical reign of Saul and the birth and the resurrection of the godly reign of David. Now I will say this, I'm not glorifying everything David does. We're going to see David's going to make some mistakes. He's going to allow power to corrupt him. We're going to see his habit of taking what he wants when it comes to women is going to come back to haunt him in a big way. But we're going to see a man that is devoted to God, to the worship of God, a man after God's own heart. And so we're going to see a glorious time in Israel. So as we close out this tragic story of Saul, we can learn many things about his life. We can see how selfishness can warp a person. That when you incurve upon yourself, you really think about it, that's what sin is all about, incurving upon yourself about your selfish desires and what you want instead of what God wants. It can warp you and change you and turn you into something hideous. Small decisions we make today that are selfish, that are disobedience to God's will, we may think, well, that's not going to make a big difference. But these small decisions we make every day that are selfish decisions, that gratify the flesh and gratify what we want, years from now, will make a difference in our life. And if we keep going down that path that Saul went down, of blatant disregard for what God wants and selfish decisions, it will destroy us in the end. Gratifying the sins of the flesh and being selfish in the end will destroy you. And Saul is a great example of what happens to a person that starts well but ends horribly. And so we can say with King Saul, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. So, I'm thankful for the time you spend with these podcasts. I'm thankful for you listening. I hope you're enjoying this. I I have enjoyed so much going back and getting reacquainted with these stories I've read a few times. You always learn more when you open up Scripture. So as we turn to the next few podcasts, we're going to be looking at the kingdom of David. We're going to see a lot of attributes in that kingdom. We're going to talk about the reforms he's going to make and how he'll bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and look at that interesting episode towards the end of this week. But stay with us and keep rolling through these podcasts and we're going to go through this epic story of King David. God bless.